Welcome to yet another episode of When a Guy Has a Really Fucked Gender. As always, I'm your host, Jolene, and I'm joined this week by author of Sissy Bitches 1 and 2 and the new short story collection, Cisness or Pleasure, Alice Store. Alice, would you like to say hello to the audience? Hello! And we'll start off with the perennial question. Alice, how would you describe your gender? I tend to just go for the simple, straightforward, three-syllable trans woman, uh, especially, admittedly, when I'm talking to cis people, because it saves time. Um, Much like how I'm, you know, she, they around other trans people, and she, her around cis people, because it's just, it's kind of exhausting pretty quickly. But I'm... Right, there is... I'm comfortable with the the simplicity. I mean, it's either like, you know, say three syllables or else like, oh, you want the real gender? And then like, I never shut up and like, I don't want to <laughs> make myself vulnerable in that way just on a casual basis. It's entirely understandable. We'll get to that later in the episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... um. Tell me about your transition. When did it start? How did it happen? What's what's it been like? Right. Uh, the starting point of me transitioning was basically uh, as a freshman in college, uh, meeting someone in another state through MySpace, uh, and then uh, pretty quickly, uh, this would, would have been 2007, 2008, getting into some shared uh, me as, like, the subby boy who gets dressed up as a girl fantasies. And then being like, yeah, wow, if I could be a pretty doll named Alice, hmm. (laughs) So I was, like, yeah, 18. And that was definitely, like, a path in for me. It is funny because, you know, we have to pretty uh constantly for real politic reasons protest that like our lifestyle is not all about fetish and sexuality and stuff like that and it's not all about that but also like i mean fetish and sexuality isn't all about fetish and sexuality it's everything's everything whatever uh but you know, am I supposed to lie and be like i did not come once while figuring out my gender <laughs> I don't expect you to lie. I would hate for you to have to lie about that. Um, <laughs> kind of, if I can't dance, it's I don't not think my anyone could have to. revolution. But I, if I can't come, it's not my gender. <laughs> if I can't come, it's not my transition. Um, right. Yeah. It's you go. know, <laughs> there was there was a lot of uh, <laughs> really shameful, like you know, dorm bathroom masturbating involved, or. Um, <laughs> Uh, at my desktop computer, sometimes while my uh, roommate in college was asleep. Um, not anything I'm proud of necessarily, but you know, who's proud of everything they've ever done, uh, including in their transition? <laughs> uh, yeah. Extremely. <laughs> Extremely. Okay. Well, yeah. so it went from. Um, and- oh, sorry, yeah. Oh, no, no, continue with 
when, yeah, it went from long distance relationship to visits, close distance, um, and then me getting from my significant other uh, of what became a 12 year relationship, hand me down nightgowns and makeup and a uh, little bralette and stuff like that, uh, that are still just in a bag, I think, deep in my closet <laughs> uh, somewhere. <laughs> because, you know, who can, uh, it's some uncomfortably profound sentimental value uh and then that kind of led into my going into my early 20s like oh hey this is a real thing i actually hate when anyone ever calls me he him guy etc uh and i just like you know i a lot of dysphoria oh you know, I'm not going to bother getting a haircut, just going to let it grow out out of apathy. Uh, I have always had, you know, a high squeaky voice uh, and uh, got a lot of like, um, why even, I mean, you know, what is life uh, if not uh, a catalog of things that you can grab from to stuff into writing and then you've got a catalog of fictionalized things you can stuff into your life uh and so i i think i threw into one of the stories insistence or pleasure um somebody trying to use a men's restroom and being told like uh hey <laughs> the women's restroom is over there um which was like an actual thing when i was like i don't know 21 or something uh and then eventually led into like, hey, I think I want to use they them pronouns. I think I'm genderqueer. Telling one person, two people, five people. Um, and then in 2016, my family and my job and got on HRT. Um, and the rest is, you know, history. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess I want to go back a little bit more. Um, I guess for for clarity's sake for the audience this is um an episode that we're having to re-record um there was some sort of technical errors with the original recording and so i know a great deal of this already um but um i recall that in our previous recording you'd mentioned that you were raised in a sort of religious setting right um, could you tell me some more about that so we went to uh kind of a not excessively conservative Methodist church. And then I was put into a private Catholic school for like four years um, going into my teens. Uh, so just a lot of like, you know, inconsistent uh, religious messaging from different directions. Uh, yeah. As with a lot of religious upbringings, mostly to the effect of like, God wants you to feel bad uh probably do whatever your parents say and don't masturbate the one thing that i um could not oblige the almighty in um unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> okay so was the was the catholic school um co-ed or was it i i know that in my experience they're often um it was segregated by sex it was co-ed no nuns um I mean, I think we had sex segregated, you know, sex ed classes and stuff, um, which is where I kind of first, yeah. like, heard words like um, menstruation, which I, like, was really confused by um, for a while, uh, et cetera, all the puberty stuff, um, but with a, 
a slant of like, this is going to happen, but you cannot enjoy it. Uh, so not like, like my dad actually got kind of peeved because he felt like they were too gay accepting at the Catholic school. Oh. Yeah. What, 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 what happened there? Uh, that was about it. I think he, maybe he sent an email to the priest or something like that. That was like, hmm, I don't know about this. Uh, but like, what, what was the sort of like, I guess, why, why did he think that? Maybe there was something to the gist, with the gist of like, gay people aren't necessarily going to hell. It's not like they were like, you know, they didn't put up rainbow flags or anything. Uh, this yeah, is like, it's not like it's okay you know maybe one of those like hate the sin love the sinner type some things. shit like that so this was growing up in small town minnesota in the you know late 90s into the 2000s bush era um post 9-11 etc um so nobody's yeah especially like uh consistent or thoughtful in uh the dogma that they're drawing from um as with a lot of uh functionally like uh, this mishmash of American folk religion. It's just kind of, uh, you know, opportunistic. Uh, I, In fact, I think I had a joke in one of my stories where a character is like, yeah, really the, the kind of Christianity the people around here believe in is just like, angels are real and uh, homophobia is cool. <laughs> and that's like about the extent of it. Um, beyond that, it's not like, you know, deeply, deeply held scriptural whatever. Um, and, you know, maybe this sheer amount of hypocrisy involved is part of why it ultimately didn't stick. When I was, like, 13, I wanted to go into the priesthood because I was like, well, that's obviously the best, as in, like, morally best job you could have um, is to, you know, share the good news, etc. But, um... I don't know. I really tried. I wanted to be a good Christian boy. Um, and here we are today, but, you know, the... You can take the... <laughs> the closeted trans women out of the church, but you can't quite take all of the sexual shame out of the closeted trans girl. <laughs> well, so, what did you... How, how were you sort of thinking about, like, sex and gender during this time? I mean, I sort of assumed that most people, I think, um, kind of start from a default point that's, like, roughly sort of, I guess what you could just say, like, a basic bioessentialism. Yeah. Right? Was that kind of... I mean... But then, I guess, sort of, like... Raised in this well, context of, like, uh, gay and trans people who are all kind of the same, um, only really exist in this vague, exotic way where it was, like, you know... Years back, when my parents uh, lived in Minneapolis, where I live now, uh, that, like, there had been queens of whatever stripe around um, who were kind of amusing and gross, um, and obviously none of us would want to be like them, uh, sinful lifestyle, etc. And beyond that, you know... uh, you're a boy, you're grow up into a man. Uh, we, we listened to a lot of, like, uh, records of uh, musical soundtracks and stuff. Uh, my dad would put, okay. put on, like, uh, 
a Rocky Horror LP, like, <laughs> not infrequently. Uh, so it was a lot of mixed messages. Uh, I feel like that's, this is all fairly common, too, among, like, what I hear from other people, where it's this uh, broad claim on the part of a parent. You know, my dad was, like, much more of, like, the Martinet piece of shit, abuser, etc. Uh, or both parents in some families' cases, uh, where it's like, we expect you to behave according to a certain set of Christian values, um, and you failed to live up to that, and therefore we reject you, when, in practice, uh, it's, it's all completely contextual, what parents are or are not willing to to accept, which I find kind of fascinating, like, I don't know, the parent who rejects the trans child, there's just a lot of, uh, and deep, uh, psychological bullshit going on there. Yeah. So when I try to, uh, and sorry, what's that? Oh, no, good. Go ahead, say, say what you're Yeah, say. so when I try to piece these things together uh, in my own life, it's like, you know, the way that these values were applied was uh, only ever essentially like, you know, do what I say, not what I do, um, insistently do what I say on the part of my dad. Um, and then <laughs> I do remember telling him around that time when I was 18 uh, that I was going to take a women's and studies class, which was like, got a reaction of like, oh my god, my child is going to be destroyed by liberal academia. Uh, and in fact, uh, I ended up minoring in women's and gender studies. Uh, and in my last term, had an 8 a.m. seminar uh, where I learned about Foucault. <laughs> from a, a lesbian professor who at one point uh, said explicitly to the class, I am trying to indoctrinate you. I want you to think critically about your own gender. Um, so thank you to her, because uh, it worked. Um, in fact, come to think of it, uh, that that little bit was in... Um, I know you, you really like the story that I wrote, Real Life Tests, and... Um, in fact, I, I incorporated that. So, yeah, I can't I can't uh, get into my own autobiography without stepping on my own writing, too. I want it to seem like, uh, you know, I come up with so many clever, imaginative things for people to experience when, in fact, um, you know, it's just served up to me <laughs> by my own, uh, I don't know, <laughs> my own mistakes. <laughs> I did not do well in that class. Uh, I, I passed, but um, but I didn't, you know, pass <laughs> as far as that. Could. That was certainly at that point where I was starting to be like, yeah, you know, I want to be accepted by these, the other, uh, you know, students of feminism here. Um, so right. That's a sad, rough, rough point. Um and, you know, I don't know, in a sense, as a trans woman now, sometimes I am like, I don't, I don't know if I ever got all the way to 
know, well, it's fitting in with any kind of like cis queer feminist scene kind of stuff. That's always a challenge. Um, but that's something I think about too, just like weird, awkward positions and double binds uh, for trans women. Which hope, yeah, absolutely. I hope comes across in my writing somewhat too. It, it does. I would say that it does. Um, yeah, it, it comes across rather lovely. I love lovely. I think. I don't know. I. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know that I am a big fan of your writing, and I think that you um, do an excellent job of. Um, bringing that sort of stuff out um, and, and assembling it in a way that's rather interesting. Um, I guess I'm kind of curious about sort of, I don't know how you came to the sort of like gender play that you referenced earlier, right? You say that you sort of then, you know, did you, you met this person when you were 18? Was that like 18 and like off at college away from your family or like 18 still at home? So, uh, preparing to go to college. Going back uh, to my dad's place for breaks. Uh, but yeah, off at college, sort of having this, well, you know, the internet. Um, <laughs> you can meet all sorts of perverted strangers. And, uh, but yeah, we were around the same age. Um, and, it is very funny because I, I had this lingering, like, you know, I would, uh, I recall, say the Lord's Prayer, like, every night in bed. Uh, but, uh, and I was like, I'm not gay. Um, I feel like there's a story with that. Oh, yeah, in Real Life Test too. Dang, it is so funny. So this is a, a story, I guess, for listener context in Sissy Bitches 2. Uh, nothing is bad. Everything is dangerous. And it's uh, sort of loosely a forced feminization story. It's sort of a riff on Ariel Schrag's novel and the subsequent film, Adam, uh, which I know me and you are both kind of fascinated by. I actually was, re I rewatched like half of it last oh time. Oh my God. My <laughs> um, we got distracted about halfway through, but it was, um, Oh, there's there's so much I could say about that movie. <laughs> Gonna have to have a truly delightful. whole episode <laughs> just on that subject. Uh, well, you know, gender dis I could <laughs> gender disaster cinema. That's um, you know, I I don't want necessarily movies that are good about gender. Um, maybe my favorites are movies that are <laughs> the worst about it. Um, I. Oh, yeah. I often joke, um, and uh, I will say now in the context of this podcast, uh, that to me, the way that transness works, there's no right, you know, we say there's no one right way to transition. Uh, there's only an, an infinitude of wrong ways. Uh, and that's very much how I feel, too, about, like, trans femininity um you know you can only really do it creatively and incorrectly um because uh not to get too aggressively reclamatory or whatever um but you know it's inherently an abomination or whatever um but i kind of embrace that i don't know uh 
to me, part of the whole point of all this gesturing at my life transition, uh, pussy, etc., <laughs> is, uh, you know, to to be the certain kind of pervert I am. <laughs> and not that I'm trying to impose that on all trans people. It's just sort of like... I do have this lingering feeling, and obviously this is not something me and you are going to get to the bottom of right now, but it's something that maybe I'm like, if I keep writing uh, some additional decades, I can get to the bottom of something. Uh, that it is, well, you know, fuck assimilationism, uh, fuck trying to to make cis and heterosexual people happy uh, with their own behaviors, um, or, you know, doing some Saturn devouring his children with each other uh, just so that cis people can look on and be like, okay, cool, you're you're doing good cannibalism. Um, and so, uh, to me, trans people who are like, I'm trans, but don't worry, I'm normal. Um, I don't know. I don't have much time for it, I guess. I, I try to be very live and let live. Every one of us is coming from a different place in a different situation. Um, but it's just so repugnant to me, I guess, especially because it's often like... I should be allowed to, you know, have my cake and eat it too. I should be allowed to be trans but still have this, uh, you know, bourgeois fantasy that I feel I was I was promised. Um, which I mean, <laughs> not to be a cliche of uh, millennial leftism, but um, is not sustainable. Um, is all kind of illusory um, bullshit frosting on a shit cake. Uh, I'm not entirely certain uh, to what extent this rambling is uh, parsable, but <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's it's. I, I guess I was I I was sort of you know. Um, the, the the question I'm, I'm I was trying to get after right is sort of I guess how did this did you meet this oh, person yeah. um, that right became your partner for twelve right. years did you meet like in the context of like you sought each other out for the purposes of gender oh no play? no not was at it, all like you met each other and then yeah uh we we met each other okay. in a um forum on MySpace devoted to the lyrics of the band the Dresden Dolls um which is always and amusing okay. and again embarrassing uh thing to recount uh and then we just happened to um really mesh we were both <laughs> very deeply lonely and closeted and so on so um i had never like meaningfully dated or had any kind of um substantial or physical interpersonal intimacy up to that point um so it was yeah a pretty pretty classic <laughs> uh teenager classic yeah story. going out into and being exposed to the world and just being like oh jesus christ like um 
Yeah, I can do all these things, but I'm terrified of them. Uh, and then, yeah, again, became me trying to kind of have my cake and eat it too, where it was like, um, you know, oh, I can have an indulge in, in these fantasies of these things that very, very secretly in a suppressed way, uh, maybe I've been wanting this whole time as a, you know, good Christian kid. Uh, while also insisting, like, you know, this doesn't actually mean anything for me morally or sexually. I I was really into this idea of myself as, like, sort of a classic, well, I mean, the idea of forced feminization, so we can get into that. <laughs> it's this very long-standing, it's really timeless, uh, sort of a, a genre premised on its own uh, implausibility uh, that you have a young man who is like, I am normal and straight and virile. And then uh, against his will, uh, how cruel um, someone, be it sort of an aunt figure or a, a girlfriend figure or, you know, the, the figure of the trans pervert or whatever there's um incidentally i i earnestly recommend watching this i don't know if you're familiar with it a movie called she man a story of fixation from 1967 uh an early film uh for hired work by uh bob clark who later made uh black christmas and a christmas story the canadian director uh fascinating movie shot on like a shoestring budget in florida in the 60s uh, about a <laughs> trans blackmailer named Dominita uh, who poses a threat to the whole, you know, Cold War American security apparatus because she has so many state secrets. Uh, Energy Force feminizes <laughs> okay. like uh, a whole estate's worth of servants. Um, so so that's yeah. an example <laughs> of a forced feminization narrative I'm personally fond of. Uh, but so, you know, n this never happens in real life. There is essentially no such thing as, um, an older woman who will say, I'm going to chain you down and force feed you estrogen tablets. Um, and, um, you know, you are going to, you know, sit in, uh, my etiquette class and you're going to learn how to dress <laughs> And be like, a, you're going to attend finishing school or else I'm going to lock you in a dungeon or, you know, fucking uh, Pedro Almodovar is the skin I live in. Um, or uh, the terrible movie uh, by Walter Hill, The Assignment, uh, with Michelle Rodriguez and Sigourney Weaver. Um <laughs> Uh, there's a 90s indie movie called Surrender Dorothy. Um, I may be a little bit tantalized by <laughs> when this uh, low, low genre makes its way to the screen. Uh, so in any case, uh, forced feminization, I definitely sort of saw myself in that position and thankfully like had met somebody who was also uh horny and um 
closeted and lonely and willing to oblige. So we had a, you know, we're, we're still very, very close friends um, all these years later, um, which is wonderful. Um, and uh, that was definitely kind of an inroad for me to it is like this idea of like, well, I am, you know, this, this figure of a sad young man. Um, and I don't want to uh, be dressed up all pretty because that's very demeaning. Um, but, you know, in a sexual context where I'm being told to, what am I supposed to do? Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, I also have a story on Sissy Bitches uh, called, what is it? 18M28F. Uh, yeah. And that's sort of the, the gist of that, too. It's just very, very fun to try to fictionalize these things over and over again. I mean, to an extent, you know, art and uh, life imitates art. Um, there are all these little uh, forbidden samizdat erotica kind of things. I remember uh, in my teens, I was fascinated by the movie uh, Freaks uh, from the 30s. Um, a very, very thorny, like, essentially, like, uh, ableist disability studies text out of MGM, a film maudite, as it were, destroyed the career of Dracula director Todd Browning. Um, and there is a uh, figure in that movie who's, who's kind of the the half-man, half-woman, and that, I was like, ooh, as a teen, also saw Ed Wood's film Glen or Glenda, um, from several years before he made Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, it's funny, growing up in this, yeah, B-movie-watching household, where it's <laughs> all of these uh, abominable examples <laughs> of gender transgression, um, and I remember finding on the 2000s internet some some website uh, with uh, photos from different like early 20th century circus things, and I I found and downloaded this like very erotically tantalizing JPEG of a uh, another like half woman half man figure, um, where. Sometimes you would there'd be images, uh, and this this is just like a traditional along with, you know, all all of these uh, dehumanizing, exoticizing positions. Just like I mean, talk about itinerant freak shows uh, <laughs> of before, after the turn of the century, the depression, etc. Like, it, it is just this, like, huge thing of, like, uh, ableism, racism, xenophobia, etc. As a spectacle for, uh, for middle America. Um, much like, uh, well, Freaks, in fact, was uh, redistributed in the late 30s as a an exploitation film roadshow by this guy, Dwayne Esper, who also directed a movie called Sex Madness, um, which has some rare 
30s uh, depictions of lesbians, these two secretaries, like, kind of caressing each other, and then they go to a striptease show. Um, I think that's probably just, like, on YouTube, public domain kind of shit. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, incidentally, my minor was in women and gender studies, my major was in film, so. <laughs> and I, I, I'm always kind of curious if, if my deep film history background comes across in my writing, too. You know, I don't think I would have guessed it. Um, Interesting. Maybe that's a mistake. I don't know. <laughs> no, um, I also am like... No wrong answer. I'm no, intrigued. But, like, this is the thing. Is I'm, <laughs> I am, like, uniquely ill-suited to answer this question because my critical apparatus for film mm -hmm. is um, entirely ported from uh, my critical apparatus for books. Mm -hmm. And has very little grounding of like film as its own genre i know very little about the history of okay. film well we're kind of normally my judgment of a film is kind of based on did i like it or not <laughs> did i like have a fun time um, you're by no means you but... know coming from the wrong position uh we're just kind of complimentary which is you know cool <laughs> i hope that this is you know yeah. illuminating uh on some <laughs> level <laughs> Yeah, I think it is. Well, so, yeah, so that's right. I recall from your last, um, uh, from our, our last recording, right, we said something along the lines of, um, or you said something um, along the lines of um, that for many years, your writing practice had been um, essentially a, a film criticism. Yeah. And that it was... Uh, only pretty recently that you decided to try out um, writing fiction. Right. So through throughout my 20s, um, my passion vocation was just like, I'm going to write uh, nonfiction. I'm going to write about movies. Uh, but I have a lot of feelings about film criticism. Um, I don't want to necessarily get into in depth here. Uh, as it is, I'm doing a pretty decent amount of rambling for someone who has not consumed any cannabis at this point today. Um, somebody, you know, if you want to <laughs> hear me get into everything that's wrong with film criticism now and forever, uh, hang out and get high and <laughs> we can get into it, you know, uh, when the, the timer's not running. But, uh, I, I wanted to engage in a film criticism practice um, and informed by, you know, my own experiences as well as the kind of writing that I love because I have been a writer from way back and, um, you know, I was writing little stories as a kid in 10th grade. I took a creative writing class that kind of blew my mind in a lot of ways. Thank you. Um, Mrs. Williams at um, <laughs> Unnamed High School. Don't dox me. <laughs> and um, so after that point, then I was, I was trying to write kind of um, sort of in a little bit of a surreal mode. My name isn't Alice for nothing. Um, <laughs> although I'm, I'm not actually that deeply passionately invested in um, the whole Lewis Carroll uh, 
mythology. Um, but it is inescapable for me as a person. Uh, but oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so I, I wanted to write, you know, weird experimental. I, you know, I read like a third of on the road, but I was just like, <laughs> wow, the beats. Um, also when I was uh, 17, so around that time of um, all of these explosive things being introduced to me, I read uh, Hubert Selby's Last Exit to Brooklyn, which um, in fact has a major trans subplot um, through a uh, very, very different different idiom um because it's you know 50s 60s working class queens um queen that's a fucking fraught word uh, <laughs> there's so much um you know it's funny i once read this is going to be a whole little fucking movie thing but uh guy madden about his movie my winnipeg about his winnipeg upbringing um great movie um I got it between him and Casey Plitt and Little Fish. I got to visit Winnipeg one of these days. Not like I live, you know, worlds away. Uh, but um, it kind of sounds like Minneapolis to me, honestly, um, in some respects, just farther north. But he he talked about the, um, the cult fandom in Winnipeg for the movie Phantom of the Paradise, uh, which Winnipeg is the one city where it was hugely successful everywhere else it flopped um and he said about my winnipeg um i couldn't get into phantom of the paradise it was too much <laughs> so that's how i feel about a lot of things right now but in any case um you know the beats um that kind of shit and uh just like getting really excited about like us like automatic writing surrealist dada 20s um salvador dali um, whose late in life, uh, muse was the, um, you know, Schrodinger's, uh, trans superstar, Amanda Lear. Uh, so, um, in any case, you know, I mean, Guillaume, uh, what's it, Guillaume Apollinaire, I think, wrote a play called Le Mamelle de Tarisius, uh, I do not actually speak French. Um, even though I'm reading a Jean Genet book and I downloaded a French language PDF so I could see what the original um, hom homophobic <laughs> slurs were. <laughs> a lot to learn. Uh, in, oh, in the yeah. translation, you know, they, yeah, um, the, the translator, Bernard Freckman, um, says homosexuel with a CKS for the X in that. Um, as a way to render, um, then I found it in the original French. It was, uh, it was like pederasque, pederasque, something like that. Yes, they 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 love the, uh, the 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 French equivalent of fag is literally just like pede, <laughs> uh, or ped. I I'm I'm like horrible at pronouncing my French, but it's essentially yeah, just like a shortened form of pederast. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a whole passage really in this book, Our Lady of the Flowers, Nodon de Fleur. Um, where uh, <laughs> it recounts what every single person in this cafe was, what slur they were thinking of uh, about the character Divine, which um, it's kind of wonderful. I, I'm <laughs> enjoying this book so far. Um, oh my 
Goodness. But in any case, uh, the breasts of Tiresias, um, gender transgression, and you know, avant-garde art by cis artists. It's um, goes goes way the fuck back. I was actually telling my girlfriend recently about the in the interesting uh, sort of romantic overlaps between um, Lou Reed and his uh, trans girlfriend Rachel Humphreys. And John Voidovich, uh, basis for the uh, Al Pacino character in Dog Day Afternoon, and um, his trans oh, girlfriend yeah. Elizabeth Eden. Um, uh, and in both cases, uh, both gay, bi-ish, gender weird men um, were emotionally or physically abusive and um, were like, I don't want you to lose your dick. Uh, but yes. again, too much to get into in the present moment. Um, but it is, it is so fascinating. Um, and you know, Warhol and his superstars. Um, but so much of this stuff, you know, intrigued me as a teen. I remember excitedly telling my dad that I had found out that in, uh, the Stein, um, Toklas uh, <laughs> relationship that Gertrude Stein was the the butch and Alice B. Toklas um, was the the femme and I think he was just like okay <laughs> why why did you tell me that why are you learning about yeah. lesbians <laughs> uh, when I was like eighteen or nineteen I actually wrote something for a school paper when I where I was just like. I've been watching all these fascinating movies about lesbians lately. I'm a cis boy. Let me tell you about um, the killing of Sister George and the bitter tears of Petra von Kant. Um, I I was so bad at being closeted to everyone but myself. Uh, <laughs> I can't even imagine the things uh, people at various points in my life must have thought without telling me. Uh, I mean, have I... Have I told you my story about, um, oh, I was, um, I was like 15 and I was listening to this, um, this trans folk punk band called Fairy Boy. And I apologize to the audience because I've told this story <laughs> on air multiple times. I haven't heard it. Please um, do, yeah. But, um, there, this, this, this band <sighs> called Fairy Boy and the lead singer was a trans woman and, you know, sang about trans shit. And I remember being 15 and, like, listening to them and being like, wow, it's so strange that <laughs> I, a cis boy, relate so heavily to these lyrics about about gender dysphoria. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's just that's just how life is sometimes, you know? It's it's just, that's just one of the quirks of being alive. You know, sometimes you relate to things. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple of years later, I was like, oh, come on, really? Right. Like... Um... What was wrong with me? And I guess sometimes um, you do, um, but you know, much like my professor, um, I I would say to an extent, I am trying to get people to rethink their gender. I am, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to be an egg cracker, um, which I f find kind of um, obnoxious in a lot of ways as a uh, I don't know, a sort of identity yeah. some of us uh, affect. But, um, you know, 
to an extent, not that all artists is propaganda, and certainly I try to avoid being strictly polemic because, I mean, frankly, a lot of queer lit, um, I work as a bookseller, um, <laughs> I, I bitch nonstop to everyone in my life about the travails of trying to get people to buy good trans books. Um, you know, there's these things that are essentially tedious, soft polemics. Um, you know, in, in high school, in fact, I read this line that has stuck with me ever since, Roland Barthes, um, literature is the question without the answer. And I, I like that quite a bit. That's sort of a, I would say, a guiding principle for me. Um, if I write a story and everyone interprets it the same way, I have failed. Uh, I will just say that frankly and um, as, you know, another guiding principle. I have a lot of guiding principles. I guess you just accumulate them as you make stuff. <laughs> so, well, but I think it's, you know, it, it's, um, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about real right. life tests, um, which I think is probably my favorite story of yours. Um, right. And I think it's, it's interesting because you sort of like gather up all these premises and you create this sort of situation that is, is playing with a lot of like, you know, it's playing with, as you said, a, uh, Adam by right. Ariel Schrag, which in turn is playing with like, you know, narratives of sort of um, trans deception. Yeah. In... Um, oh yeah. Sorry. But it kind of, I think does a really smart job of like pulling out like the parts of like, well, like, okay. Like what if like a situation like this were to actually happen, but all the things that are true about trans lives that you kind of have to ignore in order to, <laughs> you know, I guess hypothesize yeah. that sort of situation were right. also true. It's like sort of like you're just like pile like a bunch of truth <laughs> into it. And then it ends up like, oh shit, like all these things like you never thought about. And you like kind of realize like, oh wow, there's like way I think at least you you, you read it and you're like, oh wow, this is a really interesting I guess we should maybe Yeah, let's well, to, to give a little synopsis. Tests, maybe. Um, I don't know. Maybe and, you know, Hypothetically, I would love it if anyone listening to this wants to to run out to astore.itch.io and download my three books of seven short stories each. I've been told they're quick and entertaining reads. Um, <laughs> but they are. They are. Thank you, Joey. They are. Um, it's about this uh, boy in his early twenties, very inexperienced in the world. Um, who essentially his framing of his own experiences um, or her hmm, is, uh, oh, my my lesbian sister is sort of mentoring this, uh, this lesbian girl my age, but she would not be interested in me unless I transitioned. Um, and I guess thinking a little bit about like this idea of a youngish, very, very self-confident uh, cis lesbian uh, who is suddenly in this position of um, she has um, someone she perceives as a newly out trans woman in her hands like putty. Um, and I find it very personally fun, another guiding principle, um, if I'm not having fun, if I don't think this story is fun, why the 
fuck am I going to keep writing it? Why would anyone else want to read something I, as the author, don't enjoy? Um, to, you know, I guess, uh, like you say, this this piling on of truth in what's an inherently absurd, implausible, even inherently transphobic situation. Um, though, honestly, are there any situations that aren't inherently transphobic? <laughs> um, I think that the situation, um, he seems like he might be. Uh, I don't know, on board. I don't know. I've never watched Jersey the what Shore. Situation? Oh. <laughs> the situation. Wow. Sorry, I didn't know if that joke was gonna scare, yeah, but deep, I wanted to deep go little pull there to I don't know if that was my college years as well. But um and so the idea is like, oh, there's a fake transition um where the cis lesbian essentially force feminizes this boy maybe question mark um and then there's all this sort of absurd farcical fallout from it um and i am yeah always very very curious i mean i you know writing that or writing um in cisness or pleasure uh i it's i'm it's still lingering with me as the author and i'm uh, always curious what how people might react. Uh, the story uh, called "Come On, Fucking Bitch Again Harder," uh, which is about a deeply mentally ill trans woman who um, has all these paranoid fantasies um, that are essentially coming true because the turf is stalking her and trying to destroy her life. Uh, stuff like that. I, you know, it's sort of nothing, ha nothing, uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And, um, well, li living in a world where, you know, I, I am surrounded by a lot of other trans artists whose, uh, incidentally, lives are sometimes, lives are sometimes destroyed by turfs and sometimes destroyed by other self-hating trans people, uh, who collaborate with, Serves and neo-Nazis, um, big old fun uh, triple entente there. And um, it does feel like a bit of a risk, although maybe I sometimes perceive there as being kind of like a, <laughs> a mildness to my writing in some ways, or maybe it's like how, how even-handed I try to be. I don't know. I say that I am the poorest judge of my own writing because... I'm in my own head. I don't fucking know what other people think, how they're going to read this. Um, but to me, transness uh, is an act of, is a leap of imagination. Uh, and to me, I want my own writing to be a leap of imagination. These things are very compatible to me uh, within the context of my own life, my own activities. Um, when I was 29 years old, um, I uh, had a way too intensive a, a vape hit um, that I underestimated. And then for like two hours, I was on a beanbag uh, jotting down notes on my phone that included, I want to work on some uh, prose fiction <laughs> instead of film criticism. It felt right. Also, <laughs> film criticism is a fucking crushing thing to try to do well because there's essentially no money in 
um, and a brutally competitive uh, ecosystem of attention um, where, you know, uh, the shit rises to the top. Um, which, I like to think it's not sour grapes for me to say this because it, it feels kind of objectively true. <laughs> um, this, uh, our fun Rotten Tomatoes world, I just have to fucking tune it all out at this point and, you know, get high with people and watch movies and then, you know, say, um, watch Dress to Kill and, uh, say all of my many, many thoughts about Brian De Palma's, uh, <laughs> hyper-specific form of transphobia and then say, hey, look at that split diopter shot. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> look at this American Jollo. Um, anyway. Uh, but so for me with both gender and writing, um, you know, I guess gender doesn't really have style. Well, it, gender is all style though. Um, it just doesn't have prose. So we have to... <laughs> yeah, gender, gender is style. style is gender. <laughs> um, and then it is so funny. Uh, yeah. well, I mean, with books like Detransition Baby or um, Manhunt, full disclosure, Gretchen Falcon-Martin is a personal friend. Um, I have zero objectivity uh, on that subject. But with both of those books, um, once they penetrated sort of the, the larger sphere of um, cis people's reactions and sometimes trans people's reactions, um, got a lot of, or not to fucking bring up... Um, I sexually identify as an attack helicopter by Isabel Fall. Um, in all these cases, plenty of like, ah, this is writing clearly from the male socialized gaze and, um, you know, I can uh, perceive the, the gender of the author through my um, incredible uh, <laughs> literary critical intuition. Um, Right. So, um, in any case, uh, gender writing, you know, I, the second we get into any kind of real conversation about what it means to be a trans woman, I very quickly am just like, well, is woman a real thing? Well, is anyone really a woman? Um, you know, not to misgender both of us, uh, not to invalidate. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm like, you know, are cis women even women? Uh, I'm going to do a fucking, like, reverse Andrea Long Chu. Um, females a concern, incidentally. Uh, very, very entertaining, kind of fascinating. Uh, and, like, totally um, intellectually uh, questionable? Is that the, the nice way to say that? <laughs> Book, it's sort of like, well, I mean... And that's how she wants it to be. And that's fine. Whatever. Who gives a fuck? Um, yeah. I'm just going to, I guess, publicly recount a story that was told to me privately with no identifying details about a, a scene between um, four or five people I heard about happening one time that involved a sub being uh, 
beaten with a copy of the book Females until the book was essentially destroyed against the sub's body, um, accompanied by a cry of, See what Andrea's work does! It hurts trans women! <laughs> so, uh... Thank you very much to the friend who told me that incredible story. I'm very pleased. And, you know, I'm sure Andrea Long, too, is quite pleased that that happened. Um, Yeah. Extremely good. I hope that she knows. Does she know about that? Do we know? (laughs) I doubt it. Um... I'm going to tag her. (laughs) Oh, God, please don't. I'll tag her on Twitter and try Um, to get her to listen. Yeah, me and her, not remotely acquainted, you know... (laughs) She's in New York. I'm sure there's like fucking the one to two degrees of separation between us. Um, and I have zero idea if we'd be interpersonally compatible. Compatible. Um, I mean, I'm not the first person to say something like intellectually questionable about her book. Um, but or I'm sure to say something along the lines of that she's got the uh, a, a nasty case of. Um, I'm not like the other trans women, I'm smart, uh, syndrome, um, which, at a certain point, who among us, like, (laughs) that's, uh, it's a fucking dangerous set of traps to fall into, um, and, yeah, I can't say that I'm immune, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to you on this fucking podcast and holding forth, so, (laughs) yeah. What uh, you know, glass houses and all that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I'm not sure which which uh you know relevant tangent uh I broke off from. <laughs> so if you have Did a, we break off? A, <laughs> That's a really good question. Re- refocusing us, kind of question. Um, I mean, I have but... I have more questions. I'm just trying to recall where we were. I could either, or I could just take a complete, um, a complete twist. We, yeah. we'll, you know, we'll just do that. Um, which, which, go. which, which character, which short story of yours do you think features the most fucked gender? Oh, that's so good. Um, I asked. Well, yeah. I don't, I. Sorry, you asked. Well, I was going to say, I asked this of, um, you've read, um, dog names what happens next correct was have was you... max on this podcast yeah max's episode will have come out right before yours does ah i love that i <laughs> literally at work the other day just read through everything uh published of that comic yeah fucking incredible also dare i say if you like that comic um you might find something kindred in my work, not to, you know, impose that on Max, but um, no, I mean... no, it's so fucking good. Yeah, um, actually, um, his episode is already out, if you want to go listen to it um, after okay. this recording. I would love to do um, that. Um, excellent, you know, uh, supplemental listening. Uh, what, what character did, did he say had the most fucked gender? Gage. Okay, yeah, Gage seems to have a pretty fucked gender. Yeah. <laughs> so... In my stories, God, I'm trying to think. Honestly, I'm constantly striving to put more and more fuck genders into these stories. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it is difficult because of you know the mode of litfic realism um, that I somewhat write in. I hope there's sort of 
palpable genre elements to it. Um, as I've maybe slightly indicated, I I am an aficionado of the the fantastical, the horrifying, um, the science fictional, um, and um, let's see. Fucked genders. So a lot of these characters are just trying to be women with, um, you know, s varying levels of success, uh, to perhaps put it in the um, in a transphobic <laughs> way. Um, but I do, you know, have so much fun in it. I yeah. don't know. Real life test, obviously, doing a fair amount of pretty explicit gender fuckery a lot of times i a lot of times i think i have stories where if not for certain like biographical or interpersonal details i sprinkle in um could be maybe read as being about cis women i don't you know um i guess i leave that to somebody else to tell me uh i'm just trying to think back on what i've written you know um yeah. i mean I, I guess what it's like the bade lanes right your story about like the cult that has the person that claims yeah 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 see the future or whatever or they they claim can see the future that's kind of a fucked gender um serious <laughs> 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 yeah yeah oracle Prophet um, uh, you know a little bit um, long I, you know, long history of that as a fuck gender, absolutely, um, slotting into that, uh, that, uh, tradition, uh, yeah, god, I am kind of, I don't know, I'm thinking about that story a little bit as I especially start work on a book that I'm probably gonna publish next October, um, just because I, I have mixed feelings about the Baylings <laughs> myself, um, perhaps understandably um taking those you know quote risks um i think often about you know we talk about experimental art i'm i would by no means call myself a primarily experimental writer i you know full sentences linear well linearish narratives um to, to some degree but uh i think of experimental in the sense of you know scientific experimentation you have a hypothesis that is proven either i think um, we lost you or false we lost you for a second there oh no uh scientific experimentation you have a hypothesis uh you you test it it's proven true or false i think of writing very similarly i have zero fucking stem background to be clear uh i kind of engage with science primarily as a <laughs> bountiful set of metaphors uh for things that are not science uh but i i do like to you know try something out and i think basically every story i write is trying something out uh i know that you were fascinated by uh got this story beyond lover family um and i'm trying to remember what the what the phrasing you used that was very uh um heterosexual you know, sort of... pansexual <laughs> right these it's a non-binary couple yeah so you know they're queer um yeah i'm gonna get canceled but but sort of politically and economically engaging in these ways um 
where I wouldn't even necessarily say, quote, assimilationist, but ways that are, you know, reinscribing uh, these conservative ideological tendencies um, in their own lifestyle. And they take in this younger trans woman um, uh, on their couch and eventually into their own shared bed as a as two people who originally met as a, a man and woman um, who are not a man and woman. Um, neither nor uh, take that Soren Kierkegaard. Um, but I think, you know, they have a very specific form of, of fuck gender. Um, and there's a little bit more of that. The same character then pops back up in Cisness or Pleasure, um, the, the younger trans woman, uh, Missy, um, who has, like, ended up lucky for her working in tech and uh, <laughs> gotten a nice apartment uh, and therefore must suffer for it <laughs> as I, uh, the author, as God decree. Um, but I try to be nice to her, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I have a, this dysfunctional relationship with all of my characters. Like, they're fucking stuffed animals I'm making fight with each other. <laughs> uh, uh, there's some fuck genders. Yeah, I think in Cisnus or Pleasure, I, I did kind of push in that direction. Um, there is uh, homodystopia um, and tendril lullaby, my mommy dom story. Yeah. Um, As, I mean, you mentioned already, so, come on fucking yeah. bitch again harder. Um yeah, so I, I like personally as a, as a fucked gender. Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, what is even going on with gender in there? Again, I leave it to the reader. Um, but I, yeah, I I feel kind of personally fulfilled by the the direction these things are going, in, and I just want to, you know, come on, fucking bitch, again harder. Uh, write <laughs> these. Uh, um. There's a a phrase that I, I thought of as like a, a possible title for uh, a story or collection or something that probably won't actually become one of those, but it was uh, the phrase new worst gender or worst new gender, some some variation on that. Uh, and I really like that idea, inventing new and worst genders. Um, who says they have to be better? Who says a gender has to be good? Um, and... I think of that some degree as part of my my writing project. I guess I think of myself as trying to write uh, get toward writing sci-fi just by describing the real world. Um, not I'm hardly the the first person to push toward that. Um, and I I have many many influences. Um, I talked to you before about J.G. Ballard. I was going to say, yeah. Um, yeah, whose, whose work is um, kind of only barely fantastical often, um, but functionally just descriptions of his present and our present um, well after his passing. Um, in the novels of his that I've read, Crash and High Rise, uh, where, you know, the, the world that we live in... Um, so I think of gender as not any kind of innate or 
quote, true thing. Um, no human being is born or even eventually develops uh, a fully authentic and real gender, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> in my experience, uh, my informed opinion. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's all sort of this absurd thing, so why not get a little... Uh, <laughs> silly, ludicrous, speculative about it. Um, in my work, uh, this is kind of my primary way of trying to formulate how I even respond to trying to exist in this fucking world as trans. Um, and so to me, gender is, you know, determined politically, in you know, socioeconomically, aesthetically, um, it is, it is never this, uh, some kind of, like, solid, concrete, objective thing. At this point, I might just be quoting one of my stories. I can't remember if I <laughs> wrote that down, but it's just what I think. So sometimes I like to slot, um, my own quote insights into uh, <laughs> the mouths of fictional characters so people can hopefully vehemently disagree with them. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, when I think about my own gender, I don't know. So, um, you know, I this is, I think, hardly a, a secret on either part that me and you have both had uh, vulvoplasties, kind of unconventional. Um, I actually described this to someone recently as, oh, yeah, so I got a shallow pussy, just because that's the fucking most immediate yeah. way to <laughs> get it across without a whole paragraph. Um, I have it. Um, I have it in my uh, in my grinder bio. Um, it says yes, post op, but not in the way that you think. Um, <laughs> and then every once in a while, when I get bored, I just go through like all my messages, and people are like, "What do you mean, not the way yeah. that you think?" And I just I just pen them only this phrase and nothing else, regardless of what else they've sent me. I just send this only this phrase, "pussy but no hole." <laughs> what a beautiful phrase which isn't strictly true uh, isn't strictly true i have a whole right it's not really no. you can't really do much with it um but and you know um what you can do with a, a hole is partly a matter of trying um uh, <laughs> not 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 to get to uh you know that's what she said last night but it's what she said last night um but <laughs> um yeah the i don't know the, the human body and its possibilities i wouldn't strictly think of myself as you know cyborg feminist transhumanist but you know these kinds of things um are are certainly pertinent to the kind of writing that i do i well so wouldn't describe myself as like no i can ton about that stuff I am very fascinated by and would someday like to um, write something engaging with. I have no idea what the right angle would be. Um, there is a woman whose name I am trying to recall, but she founded uh, an institute. She's a billionaire. Um, oh, and I think it is called... I, yeah, she's like... They, they love to bring her up in like the conspiracy theories because she's like the one yes. trans woman billionaire. Isn't it like Mar and she's Marta something? Mar Martine Rothblatt. Martine there we go. Rothblatt, uh, founder of the yeah. Terrasem movement. So the Terrasem movement is like a transhumanist think tank that essentially 
will never accomplish anything for anyone, let alone trans people. Uh, it's just sort of like essentially like millennial utopian, millennial on the turn of the millennium sense, uh, utopian um, <laughs> new age bullshit continuing to the present day, eating up, um, you know, her uh, nonprofit, whatever, tax write-off <laughs> money <laughs> kind of thing. I don't, I don't know the, the ins and outs. But anyway, um, I don't really care one way or another about her trans billionaires fuck them uh, <laughs> generally speaking um she is also yes evoked in essentially like george soros ish uh anti-semitic conspiracy theories constantly when they need to talk um, about trans people she's the the way to... right it's just yeah I, oh up. my god i can't believe that i can't believe martine rothblatt is uh leading the shadowy trans lobby cabal um when in reality she's just off doing her own shit which whatever yeah <laughs> um but i do find the existence of that kind of fascinating that like you know she's doing kind of her own version of the whole like silicon valley visionary soylent chugging bro uh like what if we all live in a simulation maybe we should devote lots of money to that um kind of sci-fi and real life thing uh you know real life sci-fi um a lot of overlap um but in any case uh i i appreciate that you had told me the Bedling seems like the most sci-fi-ish story of mine because there is um, ostensible, ambiguous prophecy in it, um, which makes me kind of feel like, oh, well, I want to push a little further in, in that direction or something. To me, um, I like the idea of trying to get across something fantastical that at the same time feels as plausible as possible, which I guess is part of the reason that in something like real life tests, I could go through and find you something every few paragraphs where I'm just like, this is wholesale lifted from my own life. I did that or I had it happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you say that this is bullshit, hypothetically, this is sort of a straw man thing. No one's told me that. Um, <laughs> If someone said that, you know, I've got um You've got the receipts. That was actually something that came up a lot with um with Max. You know, I, I noticed very quickly mm -hmm. as we sort of went over his biography that like a lot of yeah. details of his life are kind of chopped up and distributed among the characters and um in what happens next. Um Right. Which, and uh, uh yeah. obviously I haven't listened to the episode and I don't like no no max um or his life or anything um and uh i'm i'm definitely very curious to hear about that i think that that's you know drawing from your own life is sort of a pretty elementary writing thing to do oh, yeah, yeah. um a a major moment for me was in like 2014 or so um i was introduced to the writing of alice monroe i then read like a dozen short story collections over the next few years of hers. Um, and I, f I do find it very inspiring that she is, you know, this incredibly lauded, successful writer of short fiction. She's never written anything that's strictly a novel. Uh, and kind of every other one of her stories is like, 
So there's a divorcee, and she used to live in Vancouver, but now she lives just outside of Toronto. <laughs> uh, and it's like, oh yeah, Alice, um, incidentally, name unrelated, uh, happy coincidence. Um, but, oh yeah, are you uh, drawing this from whole cloth? Interesting, you know, set of recurring concerns. Oh yeah, it was hard for her to, to write while she was married, but now her kids are grown, and... Um, she she's doing some TV presenting for the CBC and stuff. Um, I I say this semi jokingly, um, but you know, artists repeat. There is no um, I don't know. Maybe for some people, there's like an infinite supply of original material. But um, I'm constantly terrified. Uh, I'm constantly terrified that. Uh, the next story I write, I'm going to be like, oh no, the well ran dry. Uh, which is why I do try to steal willy-nilly from other art uh, subtly, so that if you do catch it, it's homage. And if you don't catch it, <laughs> I'm just very good at it. <laughs> uh, I'm joking? Um, <laughs> question mark? Uh... <laughs> I hope I don't come across as some fucking like prankster god here or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it it's just impossible for me to talk about my art without being self-deprecating. Interview me again in like five to ten years, and I'll be like, you know, uh, a wall of confidence. Um, well, let's let's set no up self-deprecation. This would be a really great question. I would actually love to like check in with you in like five or ten years about and, and get it there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you feel as though your own relationship to your gender has changed as a result of your writing practice? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, how exactly? I mean, in my own life, and I think this is probably a pretty broad trans experience. I, to some degree, I know it is because I talk to different trans people every day of my <laughs> life and we talk about this. Transness, um, having a gender, being aware of one's own gender is fucking exhausting um, on <laughs> just a multitude of material and cognitive levels. Uh, you go in fucking circles, you chase your own tail, and you never reach like an end point um, unless you're just like, I'm going to uh, just try to find the... Um, the trans as uh, close a version of cisness as I can find while being trans, um, which is an endpoint some people reach. Um, it's certainly more comforting than, um, you know, what am I? Who am I? Jean Valjean. Um, like, uh, you know, I say I'm a woman. What is what the fuck is a woman? Um, let's go back and read some. 60s second wave texts and uh, <laughs> read some T. Grayus Atkinson or whatever uh, Valerie Solanas <laughs> try to piece that together um, and uh, so you know I say I'm a I'm a trans woman and I move about in my life with my F on my driver's well I lost my driver's license but an F on my passport uh, and people uh 
a random guy at my job recently at the end of the night was at the end of the transaction said to me i use he him pronouns what pronouns do you use and then i said uh she her <laughs> and uh that was the end of the interaction that was quite bizarre but you know so our um cis people are <laughs> we think we're weird we are weird um but you know uh in any case um i like it i'm fascinated by i've never used this in my writing but the term agender um i don't know that that means any kind of like real coherent identity um which i don't know i don't think it does <laughs> <laughs> that might piss off an agender person for me to say but maybe i'm an agender person i don't fucking know uh, <laughs> uh and to be totally frank since i guess i'm being plenty frank and vulnerable and perhaps uh embarrassing myself repeatedly here incidentally another guiding principle of my writing i i say embarrass myself at the top of every fucking document um because to me that's kind of where good art can come from uh maybe i'm gra i gravitate toward the term age gender because i've seen it in a lot of profiles of people i'm attracted to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but so, you know, I say, oh, she, they, I'm, uh, I started out they, them, went to she, her only, now I'm circling back. Am I binary, non-binary? Um, do I not care? Um, am I in a, a lucky position of not needing to care? Um, I just, um, you know, find it kind of endlessly riveting um riddle inside an enigma um gender um just kind of the you know a way of enumerating the the many many ways that we can be fucked over um so you know maybe that's how i feel like i can keep writing stories is um get to the bottom of something bottomless um question about the answer uh so yeah i mean it definitely i mean my life informs my writing and vice versa and now when i go on dates with people i'm like i'm a writer and they say what do you write about and then <laughs> uh i can't escape it i guess i could refuse to i could go <laughs> go stealth as a non-writer <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yes, I'm not sure if I'm getting anywhere productive with, with what I'm saying about this, but I, I do, um, you know, writing is my way of trying to express whatever the fuck is in my soul, whatever a soul might be, not necessarily a thing I believe in, much like I don't necessarily believe in women, um, and yet I am one, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to keep, keep trying to uh enumerate these absurdities and ways of being fucked over i've got a something jotted down for for my next book as sort of a um a starting point i was thinking about my my friends my circles my life um and the the things that i try to mediate sometimes and the phrase i wrote down was us trans women are so fucked. 
Uh, fucked beautifully being um, a multifaceted word. Uh, can get into a dozen different connotations that all would apply to that sentence. Um, and so to me, it kind of comes circles back around to me being in this political material place. Um, I'm not an academic. Um, and frankly, Jolene, I really appreciate that you uh, have a lot of grounding in theory, um, which I about which I can only bullshit pretty well. I would describe myself as being pretty adept at bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I can't do chapter and verse of um, essentially anyone um, who's had anything meaningful to say about gender. Um, I can only say, ah, yes, Judith Butler. Uh, <laughs> uh, which, you know, especially when we, if, if it's over a few drinks or something, who, who cares truly? If you're going to judge me, we probably won't be. Be friends. I'm up. I'm upfront about it. Uh, the sh the shallowness of both my pussy and my <laughs> academic background. Uh, <laughs> I like I like straightforwardness. Um, and uh, even in even in a fucking a world that is anything but straightforward. Um, and maybe that's why I try to write the way I do. Um, so these are the ways that I try to elucidate things and explain things to myself through fiction, um, sprinkled with, you know, little bits of auto. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm hoping I can get somewhere eventually and that I'll, that I'll find, um, whatever it is I'm looking for, but at the very least, um, maybe I can elucidate things more meaningfully for for someone else um you know it's the reader i uh i really like a kurt vonnegut bit about um write for someone if you open up a, a window and write to the world um you know your writing will get pneumonia and something to that effect i'm paraphrasing uh you know, I write. I write for loved ones. Um, I write the stories that I want to exist in the world that I'd like to read, that I'd like for them to be able to read, that I think they would enjoy. Um, and yeah, I I feel like a you know a little ant in an ant colony, just like pushing through bits of dirt, trying to fucking get somewhere, chase the sugar smell. Um, and I guess that's why I talk about five to ten years from now. Because um, I just want to fucking keep writing slash be given the resources with which to continue doing so. Um, if if anyone listening is uh, wants to be my patron or go spend way too much on my pay what you want uh, short story collections or, um, you know... Um, Tell me what I should write next. I'd take it under advisement. Uh, so, um, yeah, I suppose, you know, much like when I was fucking figuring shit out in my early 20s um, and my mid-20s <laughs> and my late 20s, uh, a lot of going in circles, a lot of, you know, talk about this until I'm too fucking tired to talk about it anymore without having actually come to a 
meaningful conclusion. I guess I leave it to the listener uh, of this podcast to tell me whether or not I got somewhere. We lost you for a second there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, um, do you know where you lost me? Um, talk about this until I'm too tired to. Yeah, much like, you know, in my early 20s and my mid 20s and frankly, my late 20s, uh, trying to figure stuff out gender wise, um, essentially forever. Um to talk about these things in circles and not until I not okay until I don't find an answer but rather just get too tired to keep going about it going on about it um much like that um I leave it to the the listener of this podcast to tell me and you whether or not we actually got somewhere yes so let me know what you think (laughs) (laughs) Let me know what you think. <laughs> Did you have any um I know we've been we've been going for a while. Did you have any other major questions or uh points you wanted to get to still? And that was a good one if you just want to make that your closing thought or if you have anything further to to share. Oh. Um well yeah, we can we can and you know, ten seconds ago. <laughs> That's we'll it. Call it there. It's okay. And let's. Okay. Cool. 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 We'll, 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 we'll um, do that. We'll do the sort of you know go go to is it a store dot itch dot io. I'll put a link in. There yeah. 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 Um, for, for sure. Go buy your buy your fiction. Um, it's pay what you want, so you can just download it if you're so inclined. But it is worth spending money on. Um, Thank you. I that's believe. quite flattering. <laughs> <laughs> um, and other things worth spending money on the music for our uh, that is written by our uh, the the my friend who composed <laughs> our theme song, <laughs> which is Lynn July. You can listen to her music at tinytachyon.bandcamp.com. There will also be a link in the episode description. Another thing we're spending money on is the Kofi link for this podcast, which is also in the episode description. Um, so, you know, pick one of those three and send a bunch of money to them or, or send all three. Um, as always, you can follow the pod on Twitter. Um, you can share it with your friends. Please share it with your friends. Do the reviews. Do all that stuff. Um. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the, the 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 stuff that's important to get in there. So, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you to Alice for joining in. Yeah, uh, thanks so for, much for having me. You know, talking about yeah, talking about stuff here.